Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, Linda is on the line in County Meath. Linda, why did you get in touch? Um, hiya, Andrea. I mm. got in touch to talk about my mother and her story. My mother was a foundling baby. And for those who don't know what foundling is, a foundling, the name foundling is a term that was given and is still used to describe a baby who was abandoned and found. So my mother was born in 1939 and she was abandoned at at just a few days old and found in a garden um, wrapped in a blanket. Now it was 1939 and it was just literally a few months before the war broke out. So the parents were never found and she was adopted. Um, and she searched her entire life. She didn't find out she was adopted until she was 14. She found out by a stranger in a church hall. A woman walked up to her one day and told her that she knew who she was and that she was adopted. And of course, my mother, she was 14 and she'd never heard this before. So mm. she ran away thinking the woman was mad and ran home upset as you can imagine and her mother admitted that she was adopted but she had a very strange relationship with her adoptive mother and her mother refused to let her talk about it she wouldn't discuss it with her she just literally said to her yes you are adopted and that's it I don't want to hear anything more about it so of course my mother lived her life not knowing who she was Um, it almost destroyed her And she died at 75 years of age, still not knowing who she was. And she didn't know at that stage that she was a foundling. Um, But it it tore her apart, basically, not knowing her name, her identity. And, you know, her name was a massive part, um, a massive source of upset and stress for her. And when she died, she died at, like I said, age 75. And I took up the search. Um, it was actually, I was at the grave at the and looked at the headstone and I looked at the name and I thought, you know what, that that's not right. And I knew what a big deal her name was to her. So I promised her that I would take up the search and I would keep looking. And that's what I'd done. Um, it was a six year search and it was, it was very long. It was emotional. And I discovered uh, by chance, I found, um, I got, it's a long story, but I, I discovered, I found the articles from 1939. I had social workers involved as well. And uh, they found her birth name. And, but her parents were unknown, were listed as unknown. And I got her birth certificate. And um, I couldn't understand why her, or her birth name, her birth parents were unknown if they had her name. And I discovered then when I got the birth certificate, in the margin of the birth certificate, it said somebody had written foundling baby put up for adoption. And then I researched foundlings and I realized that she was a foundling. And I looked back on uh, newspaper archives and discovered the articles that were in the local papers at the time. And it was a baby girl found in 1939 at just a few days old. And the courts gave her the name, my mother's name, Christine E. Barnes, was the name they gave her. So it was a given name mm. by the courts. Um, 
and nobody knew like my, not even my mother knew it was it was very strange because I felt like I was delving into a part of my life my mother's life a very private part of my mother's life that even she never knew about but I wasn't happy to stop there because I knew that my mother craved a family of her own her entire life and the she always wanted my sisters and I also to know her family because we knew my dad's side, but we never knew her side. Yeah. So I kept searching and I thought, well, there has to be living relatives, living family. So my sisters and I, I have two sisters, we done DNA tests. Um, there's DNA companies out there that allow you to test and they match you up with people who share uh, DNA. And... Uh, my sister's test came back and they matched up with thousands of people. But of course, my mother's name was a given name. So it wasn't a name that linked to any bloodline. So it was it, almost impossible. And I felt I nearly gave up at one stage because it really was like looking for a needle in a haystack. Yeah. But then my results came back and I had a first cousin match. And I looked at it and I got very excited because the first cousin is close enough related that you would recognize the surname. And my dad, I, I know all of my dad's side. So I knew instantly that this had to be my mother's side of the family and a first cousin. And um, when I looked in, he had a family tree linked to his DNA results. And I looked at his family tree and I thought, right, well, if he's a first cousin, then we share grandparents so I looked at his grandparents and I realized that his father's parents lived on the road behind where my mother was found I went on to google maps and looked up the addresses because I find the census records yeah and I looked up the addresses and I discovered they lived on the road behind where my mother was found and then it all unraveled after there and I got in touch with my cousin my new cousin now as I call him um and it all unraveled there and the DNA results that we that I had all matched up to his family and other cousins that also done tests. So I found my mother's family and it's amazing because like I said, my mother was given a name by court by the courts. It didn't wasn't a bloodline. Um and there's everybody knows like with, with adoption. Um, when somebody is adopted, there's a file with a name somewhere that will link them to their family. But with a found thing, there isn't. So it was very hard. Mm. And but I guess, sorry? No, I, would, I wanted to ask, what kind of a response did you get, Linda, when you contacted your, your cousin, your first cousin, in the first well, instance? Well, I was, yeah, I was very nervous because I knew that this was his grandparents. I never knew them, obviously, but he, there was a possibility that he knew them, he loved them and didn't know anything about mum. And if he was close to his grandparents, I knew this would come as a shock to him to think that his grandparents would abandon a baby. You know, it's some people will accept the fact that maybe an ancestor of theirs gave a child up for adoption in those days. But I knew that it might come as a, as a shock. So, I just explained to him that my mother was an abandoned baby um, and that if we are first cousins, then there's a strong possibility that we would share grandparents. But I also made it very clear that, you know, there was no judgment, that they had their reasons. And my sisters and I respected that. Mm. 
you know, it was different times that we lived in. And luckily, he came back to me very interested. Um, he said that he was shocked, but not surprised, because there were aspects of his grandparents' life that never really made sense to him. So in in that there was two children, they had they were married. Um, and there was two children when my mother was born. Um, and between the years 1936, and 1942, they claim to have lost two children, two babies at birth. So my mother was born in 1939. So the times tallied. Um, their marriage broke down in the early 50s. Now, it was 1954 when that woman appeared to mum and told her she was adopted. And they lived in the same, like it was Gillingham and Kent, and they all lived in that same town. Okay. So I often wonder was it her mother, bless her, that was following her and told her. Um, but he's been amazing, my yeah. new cousin. And we have three other new cousins across the world. So I have my cousin in the UK, who I'm in contact with regularly. And then I have two new first cousins in America and one in Australia. And they've all been so welcoming and so happy and the lightness like um between my mother and their parents and really? sharing stories. Yeah. Yeah, it's lovely and it's it's just like having another piece of my mother in the world, which is amazing. Yeah. were your grand um did your cousin like had had he a good relationship with, with your grandparent with you know, with with his grandparents, like what did um, it give you a sense of what they were like? There was a distance between there was a distance between them and their grandfather. Um, he never knew what happened between his grandparents, but he knew that um, there was be, there was problems, and his father never really got on well with his grandfather. So he was close to his grandmother, but not his grandfather. Okay. Um, so there was definitely, and nobody would talk about it. It was a kind of a subject that was. Just not discussed. Yeah. Do you feel um, the sense of like? Was it a, a sort of a sense of um, closure or achievement, Linda? I know you promised your mom that you'd you'd you know you'd keep up the search. Like, I mean, when you found all of this, like, how did you feel? It was surreal. It's like I said, I felt like I was somehow invading my mother's privacy because it was a part of her life that she never knew about. And I knew how important it was for her to find out the truth. So in that respect, I was thrilled. But at, at the same time, I was I felt so sad for my mother because I had watched my mum struggle with her emotions because of her adoption and because of her starting life. I mean, her being adopted for my mother and for anybody is can be difficult. Not everybody has a difficult adoption. Um, some have an amazing adoptive parent. But for my mother, she had a very difficult time with her adoptive mother. And so it was, she, she craved a mother's love her entire life. And she never knew that. She never knew a mother's love. Mm. So that was hard. So I felt like in some closure, I suppose, is one one way of putting it, that I had finished what she had started. 
But for instance, my mother, when she was 29, she had her first child. And that was the first time that she ever had anybody in her life that was biologically part of her. When the nurse told her that my sister looked like her, that was the first time anybody had ever been able to say something like that to her because until then, she didn't look like anyone. So that feeling that she had was immense. Her need to know who she was was immense, to find family. She craved a sister. She craved family. Um, She just wanted to know who she was. And it's something that a lot of people don't understand, um, is that with adoptees, and it's the one thing I've learned through my search, that, like I said, nowadays things are so different, so very different. But the one thing that never changes is a person's need to know who they are. Linda, you know, it's if, it's a remarkable, remarkable. Um, just listening to your story, it's so fascinating, and I, I can, you know, the 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 effort um on the journey that you went on, as you said, it took over like a six year period. I mean, it's it's just yeah. incredible and and great that you know you now talk about having that sense of connection with your family yeah. and and your cousins and um abroad. Linda, thank you so much for for reaching out and for joining us today on the programme. Um, I'm no. sure there's many other people that'll take a lot of inspiration from what you've said today. No problem. Can I just say just one thing before you go, and that is to anybody that's on their own search and that is thinking about giving up, don't. Because I nearly did. And all I had, literally, was a, a bit of spit in a tube and I found them. If I can do it, so can anyone. Linda Buckley in Mead. Linda, thanks a million for joining us in the programme today. Thank you. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.